I invite you to find a Bible, if you would, and turn to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in Proverbs 16, um, 18, and 19. If you're using a pew Bible that's there in front of you, turn to page 460. Proverbs 16, verses 18 and 19. This is what we read. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, Many of you know that I spent about a year and a half of my life in Cape Town, South Africa. And as you might imagine, there are a lot of different things to do in Cape Town, South Africa than were available to me where I grew up in upstate rural South Carolina. Now, I did go to the beach mostly um, once a year to Myrtle Beach, and that's kind of where we went and got sunburned and ate ice cream and then came back home. When you go to the beach in Cape Town, it's amazing how beautiful it is. It's also very cold. You might look at the water and you're like, that looks fun. And then you get out there and your lips start turning purple. So you got to wear wetsuits when you get out there. And one of the things that happened, I had a good friend, I'm named Scott Dinkins, who's from Sumter, South Carolina. And he was also there. He was also a missionary while I was there. And he really got into water sports. He really got into surfing. Like he bought a surfboard. He bought a wetsuit. He did the whole thing. And one day, I was foolish enough to go with them. Now, I didn't surf. I just had a bodyboard. I thought bodyboarding would be easy. I mean, you don't have to, like, stand up and bounce. You just, you just go. Like, you sit on your stomach and ride. But it was really interesting the day I went. We got to the beach. We looked out at the waves, and they were remarking at how big the waves were. You're like, wow, we got a good, these are good waves today. And I remember kind of looking out there and being like, really? Those waves, they don't look very big to me, you know? Okay, whatever. I guess they're they're big. I guess I'm going to show them. So we got out, got on my bodyboard, and the hard first humiliating part was getting past the break. You know, the waves are coming in with a considerable amount of force trying to keep you on the shore. So I fought out against that. I finally get out to where everybody else was waiting on the waves to come get them. And we sit there, and I tried a few times, you know, I paddle, 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 and the wave would kind of come and go. I'd get back in line, I'd paddle, 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 and go. And, and if you've ever done this, I don't have to tell you that you don't have to wonder if the wave has got you. You will know. You will know. It will not be like, oh, I think the wave, no, no, no. When the wave picks you up and is carrying you, it's a ride that you don't get off of until it comes to a complete stop. You're going wherever the wave's going. And I, I remember you all being on this bodyboard in this wetsuit, which I'm glad that we didn't have social media then. To my knowledge, no pictures of me in a wetsuit have survived. But we were going, and I, I vividly remember a guy like under me. And like, here I go, and I'm kicking. And one of the things they said to me is that, you know, you'll be fine as long as your legs don't kind of cramp up. Well, I'm kicking like I'm trying to, like I'm Michael Phelps trying to win. You know, I'm going all out. And when I'm getting toward the end of the wave, both of my calves feel like this, right? And we stop, and the ride ends kind of, except for the waves just keep coming. Like I'm in that part of the surf where it's just like, and I'm laying there doing this number. 
And I'm like imagining what the people on shore are thinking. Like an odd mixture of amusement and should we save him? Right? And, and I eventually make it to the shore and kind of catch my breath and vow to God that I'll never do that again. Thank you for saving me in my ignorance. I'm not going back out there. And maybe you've had experiences like that in your life where you were, you're kind of proud. You're kind of, I got this. Right? Whatever it is that was before you, you're like, I'm going to handle this in my own strength, power, resources. And along the way, you were humbled. You know that feeling of being there and everybody kind of looking at you like, uh-oh. And as we think about being wise people, one of the themes that you see throughout the Bible and that you see throughout Proverbs is the importance of humility. And I want you to think about humility primarily this morning in terms of a willingness to obey. A willingness for the Lord to tell you how to live your life and you humbly following after him. And this is a problem that God's people have always had. I'm journeying in my own Bible reading through the Old Testament. I've just finished Joshua. And Joshua is both awesome and sad. It's all mixed up. But they finally take the land, and Joshua is about to die. And any time one of God's leaders died then, there was kind of this kind of renewal, this covenant. And Joshua's kind of like, all right, I'm about to die. You're going into the land. Choose who you're going to serve today. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And remember when you get into the land that your life is about to change. Whereas you're in the wilderness and you're kind of fighting and scrapping for everything you've got, you're dependent, you're about to go into this land where you're going to have houses to live in, you're going to have food to eat, all of these things that I provided for you. And the Lord's very careful to say, when you go in, don't think to yourself, wow, Look at this house I provided for myself. Look at all this food that I've got. Look at all these things that I've done, when in reality, it's God that's given you all of this. There's going to be this temptation for you to get in there and be proud and self-reliant. And I wish I could tell you that things go well in the book of the next book that follows called Judges. But if you're looking for uplifting spiritual messages, I would not encourage you to start in Judges. Judges is basically the story of what happens when everybody disobeys. It's the story of what happens when everybody thinks that they know what is right and they live lives according to their own wisdom and guidance and they forsake the Lord. And what happens in there is you find just this continual spiral downward. I used to think that Judges was just cyclical. They're just kind of Judges raised up, the people sin, they repent. They're delivered. But it's really more like this. Like think about water going down a drain. It just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And here's how Judges ends. To kind of characterize this period in the time of God's people. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. There was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I've thought about pride and humility in the past, largely in terms of pride in what I've got, or pride in what I've accomplished, or look how impressive I am. But 
But I'm more and more seeing, I think, one of the biggest threats to spiritual health for us individually and for us as a church is a pride that's not willing to follow God's leadership. This pride that I've got it figured out, I know what to do, and if anything, God's going to have to kind of prove to me why I should walk in obedience, and then maybe I'll do it. I'm going to give you an example of something that I was thinking about this week. Um, I did something radical this probably two or three days in a row now. Like really, really radical. Hold on, I'm going to tell you. I drove the speed limit. Like I legitimately drove the speed limit. Not like near it, but like at or under it. And I, I have to traverse some roads that have a very low speed limit. 20, 25. And, and 25 doesn't feel that bad. When you drive the speed limit at 30, you feel like you're just like driving with reckless abandon. Like, man, I'm going to 30, 35? And what, what, what was interesting is I did this because I, I look at other people and it's so easy for me to look at ways in your life and your heart where, where you're not yielding to the wisdom of other people. But I know that in my own life, there is this propensity to not yield. There's this propensity to think, yeah, like I know that's the rule. I know that's what people do, but like I can handle it. That's basically for other people. So for like two and a half, three days, I drove with my phone like in a box, like in one of the compartments in the car, and I drove the speed limit. And a few things happened. One, I got really nervous about everybody behind me. Like I knew that they just hated me. Like they were just behind me and they were just like, <laughs> and sure enough, like when you got to a point where they could kick out, what did they do? Right around me. I felt like Mr. Cooley, y'all don't know Mr. Cooley, but growing up, where I grew up, Mr. Cooley would drive this old red truck. Well, old. He was, he was a pretty well-to-do farmer, so a new red truck. But he would drive into town, and if you got behind Mr. Cooley, it was just like, it's done. There's nowhere to pass him. You're going 35, and then likely the uh, railroad um, tracks were going to be blocked. And you're just sitting there in your frustration like, ugh. But I felt like that as people were like right behind me. I'm just like almost want to keep going faster because of the social peer pressure of like what in the world are you doing? But I came upon this really startling truth. I'm pretty sure if all of us drove the speed limit everywhere and also didn't look at our phones, I'm, I'm pretty sure we would rarely ever have a wreck. I pray, you feel like you're going backwards, friends. And you're like actually watching. I'm like, I'm pretty sure. But here's the thing. There is this part in us that, that we think we're smarter than whoever decided this is how fast you're supposed to go. Like we think that we can handle it and like, that's good. Thank you. Tip my hat to that. But I'm going to go do my own thing. Thank you very much. And it's, and it's not just with things like the speed limit. It's, it's generally speaking our approach to life. And it's so deeply ingrained we come to God's word that you and I sometimes are so foolish and we're haughty and we're proud and we think, thanks for the suggestion, but I'm going to go this way. 
And so often you and I crash when we live that way. That our pride leads to destruction, that our haughty spirit leads to a fall. For church to work, for this thing that we're doing to be all that we want it to be, one of the main things that you and I have to buy into is the humility that leads us to not just put our interests at the forefront, but to put the interests of other people at the forefront. And to do things that don't come oftentimes naturally to us for our good and for the good of other people. It's currently, I don't want to alarm you, but it's currently 11.55. Some of you are like, oh gosh, I signed up for an hour, bro, what are we doing? It's 11.55 on a Sunday morning. I want you to think for a moment, what could you be doing right now other than being here? Maybe, maybe you have a tea time. Maybe if you didn't come, you're already ready to head to the clubhouse to eat lunch. Right? Or you could have slept in, you didn't have to get dressed. Kind of think back to pandemic church, which I'm going to tell you, I hated. I hated pandemic church. We would get together in our living room and pretend to pay attention to what was happening. We would turn the TV on. If it wasn't my Sunday to be here, I would listen to the sermon while I'm getting the grill ready. Because I'm still listening, right? I don't have to sit down and watch. Like. But you, and, you could do that. You could find a much better preacher, like your favorite preacher from anywhere in the world, and listen to him. And you could pick the set list for worship. Everything could be like on your time and when you want to do it. But one of the things that I value about church the most is that I get to show up in a room where other people are also showing up to draw near to the Lord and to encourage those beside them. To watch things like baptisms, right, in person. To celebrate the Lord's Supper together as we can gather in this room, in fellowship and not isolated. And part of that requires us to be humble enough to yield ourselves to God's plans and purposes and participate in each other's lives, often in ways that aren't easy or convenient or helpful. We don't think. We don't think it's helpful. The Lord's been gracious in adding new people to our church. People are joining our church. And when I sit down now with people who are joining the church, I challenge them to do a few things. Um, one, I challenge them to show up, to come. Now, I'm not asking for perfect attendance. Um, I'm not going to tell you how many Sundays I'll miss this year, but I will not be perfect. Sunday before July 4th, I will not be here. But you should be here because Joel is going to preach an awesome sermon. Right? Um, I, I live in the real world you live in. We miss church sometimes for things that we are doing. But when you're here and you can be, like just getting in the practice of showing up for each other. I challenge people to go to Sunday school and be involved in a small group. Again, not just read a book by yourself, but, but meet with other people. Share prayer requests, pray for them, study scripture together. I invite people to serve. And I'm like Steve Spurrier when he came to the Gamecocks. I got so much playing time. Like Steve Spurrier when he was recruiting athletes for South Carolina, he was like, guess what? You're going to be your three-star. Alabama will not even talk to you. Come to us. Like, you can play right now. 
I'm that way at church. Like we have so many roles that you could provide in serving other people. It could be running a stream or a sound or watching kids in daycare. There's so many ways that we need you to serve and be active and involved. And then I invite people to give. I invite people to say, hey, steward your financial resources, not just for your good, but for the good of other people in the life of our church. And it occurred to me this week that each of those things that I ask people to do goes against self-centered natures that we have. Because you could stay wherever you are and watch church. You could not get involved in messy stuff like showing up to small groups and Sunday school classes where I'm just going to tell you there are going to be annoying people there. Just warning you. They're going to be there. They're going to test your patience, okay? You could never serve. Just kind of always show up at church and leave. Serving requires you to put the interests of others ahead of your own. And then you could never participate financially. You could always just kind of keep your money to yourself and think, I'm going to look out for number one and not yield it to plans and purposes and things like sending kids on mission trips. But here's the thing. You and I were made for community. We were made to walk in obedience to God's plans and his purposes for our lives. And God doesn't always intend to tell you why all the time. It's one of those things that you have to taste and see that it's good by obedience. You have to step out and yield yourself and obey him and trust that it's better. One of the things I learned about driving the speed limit is that I love to see cops. I was driving the other day, and I, like, hit one of those curvy things around some golf course, and there was a cop over there on the uh, motorbike, and I almost wanted to beep the horn at him. Hey! Driving the speed limit over here, I'm good! And there's, like, a freedom and a joy that comes Sometimes from yielding yourself and not being proud and hard-headed and haughty and kind of going your own way. And I think that ultimately comes from us being made in God's image and responding to the gospel. In Philippians chapter 2, there's a passage that, that the only challenge that we have with this passage is hearing it and really listening to it and not being so familiar that we don't let it strike us. But I just want to close with this passage. Philippians 2, verse 3, Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself how? He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knees shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In a way that doesn't always make sense, as Christ humbled himself and became obedient, he was most exalted. 
And the same is true for us. As we humble ourselves and become obedient to God's will for us, there is a joy and even an exaltation that leads to pleasure and happiness that go in our own way cannot. So I invite you, if you would, to be praying for us as a congregation, to be praying for us as a, as a community. All the time I look around and I think, if only you would just yield yourself to God's plans and God's purposes and trust that it's better. So I challenge you, one, drive the speed limit this week. And then write down things in your heart that you learn from that. Okay? But bigger, bigger than any of that, ask the Lord to help you to walk in humility and obedience to his will for you. And see if you don't find joy in that life more than doing your own thing. I invite you, if you would, to pray with me. God, we thank you so much for the gift of this day. We thank you for, for Jesus and all that you've given us in him. Lord, we pray that you would give us hearts that are humble before you and that, that even when we can't understand why, even when it doesn't make sense to us, Lord, that we would just trust that you are a good and gracious God and that we would bow our knees to you in obedience. You would just help us to trust you and that you would lead us in the paths that are ultimately for our good and your glory. And we offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.